Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, We are an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites. My name is Sarah Sanchez, and I write for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi there. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am Kimbrel Crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, so... Let's just jump into this. The, it's so good to be home. The Cubs have won three of their last four since coming back to Chicago. But before we talk baseball and games, we have got to talk about Craig Kimbrell. Andy, we have a closer. Oh, my gosh. What do we even do with the closer? It's been, it's been a hot minute since the Cubs have had a closer. Like, I feel like this has been an ongoing conversation in a couple of different Facebook groups I'm in and on Twitter. <laughs> Like, uh, for a while. I mean, like, basically how I put it last night, now that we have a closer, what's the new tagline? Because the tagline was, we need a closer. So what's the new tagline? Yeah, we, we have a closer. That's I crazy know. to me. It's crazy. And, like, we need to hit better with runners in scoring position just doesn't quite have the same ring to it. I know. That's kind of long, isn't it? We need, yeah, to be, we need to. How about, how about, let's get rispy. <laughs> the Cubs are rispy business. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Well, yeah, let's get risky. I like, I like that. That can be the new tagline. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Craig Kimbrell. I wrote about this for the site earlier today, uh, but a lot of strikeouts, like a lot of strikeouts. If you are one of the many Cubs fans who's been saying that the Cubs need a power arm that can miss bats and they haven't had one for a very long time, you're going to really like Craig Kimbrell. He misses a lot of bats. Uh, he has been one of the per-inning strikeout leaders for the last few years. And since um, 2011, he has pitched at least 50 innings in each of those years. So he pitches a lot of innings. His K per nine is really high. It's like up above 13. Has, and one year he was as high as 16. He misses a lot of bats. It's going to be great. So am I correct in saying that like in 2017, I think, ha- has been his best year in strikeouts per nine? Is that oh, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. I think that was like 16.4 something or other. Yeah. It was something ridiculous. I just, I'm just trying to, to remember your, your article, which is amazing, by the way, if you guys have not read it, you guys need to go read it. If you are not excited about Kimbrel, I mean, like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Obviously someone needs to inject a pulse into you. Secondly, go read her piece because that will get you even more excited. Like reading this and like, I'm not as big of a numbers person as you are, but just seeing all of the numbers and seeing the potential that's there. I mean, even if there's a slight decline, it is still like so much of what we needed. And I am here for it. I cannot wait. Hurry up and get here. Like, let's talk about that. The other thing. (laughs) That I think is really important here. Whenever there's a piece like Kimbrel out on the market, it's not just about going out and getting it so that your team improves. But Kimbrel being a Cub means Kimbrel is not going to be a Brewer and he's not going to be a Cardinal. It means that the Cubs do not have to worry about facing Kimbrel if the Phillies or the Braves decided that they wanted to go out and get him, right? Like this is a weapon that the Cubs not only have for themselves, but they've taken it away from other teams. And John Heyman from... uh where is John Heyman these days? I was just uh, reading him. Yeah, I was going to say ESPN, but I could be wrong about that. Hold on. You know what? It does not matter. John Heyman, who you M- follow on M- Twitter because he MLB, MLB Network. 
Thank you. I'm like, I don't even know where anybody's at anymore. <laughs> John Heyman had a tweet earlier today where he was talking about the numbers that Kimbrell has against the rest of the NL Central. And it's totally ridiculous. I mean, he has just video game numbers against the rest of the NL Central. Now, in all fairness, and granted, the lineups were much different when he faced them last. But if you ask me, I mean, that gets me even more excited because, you know, it's going to be he's going to be in a different uniform. Everybody loves a change of scenery. And he's not dumb. He knows what what is going on behind the scenes. Like he knows that Cubs have kind of been vying for him basically since the offseason. I know there's been murmurs along the way that the Cubs were going to be a player for him. I really honestly thought it would be us against Milwaukee. But if I just read today that the Rays were the ones that were second place team, like that's insane. You know what's really interesting about it is insane, but you know what's really interesting about that? And it actually makes me feel so much better about one of the things that I was most concerned about with this signing. So if you watched last year with the pitchers that came off the free agent market late and didn't get a full spring training, they kind of struggled a bit. So Greg Holland didn't have a very good year. Uh, Cobb didn't have a very good year. And it was one of those things where people were wondering if maybe you don't get all of your work in, can you come back and just pitch at a major league level in the middle of the season? The Rays being in on Kimbrel signifies to me, and I was reading an article about this in The Athletic earlier today, so I just want to give credit where that is due. I believe it was a Ken Rosenthal piece. Um But that signifies to me that Kimbrell is fine, that teams have looked at him, teams that are super savvy and very sabermetrically driven and very analytically driven, like the Rays looked at him and had no concerns. That's a great sign. Yeah, and I guess I forget that teams like basically have departments now that handle that side of things. Like I'm still like very much in the old school thought of thinking that it's like basically done with, you know, like a radar gun and a clipboard. I know that there's a lot more to it now, but um, that does make me feel much better when you bring up that side of it, because, you know, there's there's always going to be especially he signed a three year deal. So there's always going to be injury concerns, um, usage awareness as far as, you know, because you know, I mean, we've, we have, we had issues with Moro, you know, um, Davis had issues after he left Chicago. So that's always kind of in the back of my mind, as far as, you know, the what ifs and, you know, three years is a, is a long time for a reliever. And, you know, but that also tells us, should tell us the amount of um, confidence that the front office has in, you know, making this team kind of stick, so to speak, you know, making like making sure that people are going to stay put and the longevity of the success of this team. And hopefully, you know, that's that should be a little bit more telling to us that they were willing to go the three years and not the two that, you know, the Rays were doing. Yeah, I mean, John Lester had my favorite quote about this, and this was in a couple of different places, but he sort of said that when he heard about the signing, it showed that the front office had a lot of confidence in them, unlike whatever that computer program was, which was like straight up John Lester's shade at Pakoda. I don't don't think there has ever been a baseball player who has more disdain for, for all of these like fancy schmancy analytics. He's like, look, I get up, I throw, I do well. Right. John Lester, John Lester is in my camp of thought with the radar gun and the clipboard. Like John Lester and I could hang out. Like he's with me. I get it, John. I, I see you. I'm I'm right there. <laughs> totally. Okay. Well, 
Craig Kimbrell, we cannot wait for you to get to Chicago. Uh, but let's talk about John Lester a little bit more since we're there right now. John Lester had a really great start against the Angels on Monday, and it was a particularly beautiful day for baseball. The Cubs came out and did exactly what they needed to, winning 8-1. to one. But Andy, they had back-to-back doubles with runners in scoring position, and I almost died. Say it ain't so, Sarah. Say it ain't so. <laughs> it was I mean, pretty wild. Uh, it was kind of like I had to rewind it and watch it again. Like, do we do this? Is this is this what we're doing now? Like, I mean, obviously this is what we're supposed to do, but we didn't do this for so long that I kind of f- forgot what it felt like. Right? I was like, wait, are we allowed to do that? Is this is this team allowed to have kids? <laughs> in a situational manner that scores lots of runs in the same inning. Is that, is that okay? Situational production. I'm going to use that term again, situational production. It was amazing. I'm not going to lie. It was, it made me happy. And, you know, you always like to see coming home and bouncing back after the rough weekend that we had. And John Lester, of course, is who you want to be leading that charge and to come out and score eight runs, you know, 11 hits, I mean, we're not going to talk about who the opposing pitcher was. That doesn't matter. We had a good game. It it felt good. It was exhale. Like I tweeted, exhale, we're not broken. Like yeah. with this, our plan still works. We just, we had a blip this past weekend and hopefully we're going to write that ship this coming weekend. But, you know, it was, it was a good bounce back game. Let's just leave it at that. Well, and it was also uh new cub, Carlos Gonzalez's first game with the team. And he has really been pretty great for this offense so far. I mean, he did not play in the series finale today. That is Thursday. Um, And it kind of showed, frankly, because there wasn't as much situational hitting and great stuff going on. But Carlos Gonzalez has looked really great in that spot, hitting fifth. He gives some length to the lineup. And he had one of the greatest catches that I have ever seen at Wrigley Field uh, in his first game as a Cub. I he like was running towards the wall and laid out a bit for a fly ball and kind of like slid on the warning track. But like the thing that people do not realize, cause those catches get, get made a bunch, you know, like the sliding bump into the wall, run into it, whatever the wall at Wrigley is brick. The Ivy is not soft. He was sliding head first towards a brick wall. And I seriously thought the cargo era was over. I was like, the cargo era is over within five innings because the man has just killed himself sliding into a brick wall and he stood up somehow and managed to avoid the wall. It was crazy. This catch, I, I think I've watched it a hundred times. It was wild. Well, and again, listeners, if you have not read her piece on this, she is so good at the screenshots and the visuals. <laughs> it's amazing to me. <laughs> like she has screenshots of every angle of this catch because like literally his face came inches away from hitting the brick wall inches. inches. I don't know. I don't know. I think you even referred to him as matrix like because it, okay. it did. It was it was very matrix like. It was insane. And I'm telling you what, this was even before Craig Kimbrell was a, a sparkle in our eye. Cargo had me all kinds of jacked up that catch. I mean, I was like, I don't even care what he does offensively. And I might be the only one in the world that thinks that way. But to come in and make a defensive play like that when you knew your pitcher was in a situation where they needed you to get dirty, so to speak, and to do that, and then to see John Lester's reaction, and you kind of see Mike Trout watch when he's getting ready to go in the dugout and his shoulders kind of drop. I mean, it was like really, 
symbolic of like what we needed right then. We needed a good shot in the arm. He gave it to us. Um, the funny part about all this is, and I even said more so just quoting folks that I had been following that he was not going to make it to the bigs probably until the end of this week. Cause they wanted to get him a few more at bats. Well, I mean, they saw what happened in St. Louis. They knew that, you know, something needed to change, something needed to give. And I mean, whoever was the mastermind behind bringing him up on Monday, I mean, applause to you because that was such a good move. And he, you know, you can tell that he's happy to be in a Cubs uniform. Uh, he was so excited, you know, talked about Javi. Obviously, you know, he has the Venezuelan connection with Contreras. So, you know, it just overall is just such a feel good story right now. And then, you know, to add Craig Kimbrell on top of that, it's just like, you know, I, I'm like excited out of my mind right now. It's really, it's fun. Yeah, I agree. I, I could see this cu- this club going on a serious little run here with the additions of Carlos Gonzalez and Craig Kimbrell. It's been super fun to watch. I mean, that catch, this is the last thing I'll say about it, but I I really have spent way too much time thinking about this catch. I thought that was a, I thought that was a bases clearing double. I thought that the Cubs were going to go from being up, like I think at the time they were up five or six to one to being up six to four. That's a totally different ball game. And instead of being a bases clearing double, it wound up being a sacrifice fly. And it was just like, Oh, okay. I can live with that. That's fantastic. Right. It kind of took the wind out of their sails because they were building a little bit of momentum, getting, getting runners on base with John Lester kind of dealing. And then to have that happen, you know, it definitely shifted the momentum. It was a spot that was fantastic and he, you know, couldn't have done it at a better time. So yeah, all for cargo. I'm loving him. I was already pretty excited about having him just to get, so, you know, a, a new face in this lineup and, and give somebody else a chance. And I, he is totally taking advantage of it. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on the angels game. Cause we still have an entire Rocky series to get through, but I do want to mention a couple of the pitchers. Uh, Carl Edwards jr. Has looked really good lately. He's been striking out a ton of guys. He has not walked any batters since I think May 26th was what I saw on baseball reference. He uh, had a really nice outing in that Angels game. And Dylan Maples looked pretty good, too. You know, after the game, he did go back to Iowa to make room. But Joe said that he hoped it was the last time that Maples went back to Iowa, that he really has the stuff to stick in the major leagues and that he should come back and stay. And I thought that was really encouraging because that slider is nasty. Yeah, it's all about control with those guys. And he definitely is somebody I can see being around for a while. He has just got to find his his rhythm and, and, you know, get into a place where it, it's just something he doesn't have to think too much about. Cause I kind of feel like it's in his head now. It's one of those things you need to go back to the minors and just do what you know how to do. And hopefully we see you soon. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the Rockies. So the Rockies are a hot hitting team. They came to town and I was impressed with the Cubs pitching staff. They really seemed up for it. You know, all of these games were very different. Uh, Tuesday's game, the Cubs never trailed. Kyle Hendricks did all of the Kyle Hendricks things, including getting himself some RBIs because that's what Kyle Hendricks does now, apparently. Struck out 10. We talked about this last time. Kyle Hendricks is turning into a bit of a strikeout machine, and I love it. Um, and that was also Pedro Strokes' uh, first appearance back off the off the injured list, and that was outstanding. I was It was really nice to see Strope out there getting a save. Um, I tell you what, Kyle Hendricks with the 10 strikeouts, I think is probably the most surprising stat about this game. I just, you never think of him as a strikeout hitter or strikeout pitcher. And he just makes people look silly. 
I mean, it is just, it is so intriguing to watch because he has absolutely no emotion, no reaction. He's such a poker face. You have no idea what he's thinking. And the man strikes out 10 and not just 10, 10 Rockies. I mean, this team came in hot. I mean, you guys remember how abysmal I was feeling about going into the series with the Cubs team we saw this past weekend. So needless to say, I was very surprised that we came in the way we did and and won two out of three. But then for Kyle Hendricks to strike out 10, I mean, it just, it's just it's such a great stat and it's so overlooked. And, you know, he is just I I say his, his ceiling is just endless. I mean, he just right now is pitching so good and he's just he's right there. I just want him to stay there for the rest of the season. <laughs> I mean, say. If he stays there for the rest of the season, he's going to find himself in the top three in Cy Young Award voting again. And it's going to be absolutely deserved. Well, he's been in that conversation before, so it would not surprise me. Would not surprise me. And I hope one of these days he gets it because, honestly, you know, if he can stay consistent, he deserves it. He is – he just – I mean, he makes people look silly. And it's it's entertaining. <laughs> it's quite quite yeah, funny. Good stuff. I, I am I'm very here for Kyle Hendricks striking out the land and just pitching really like an ace right now, and it's outstanding. Um Wednesday, this game was kind of wild. I don't know if the TV caught this as well, but the fog was sort of coming in off the lake. And so the whole thing kind of looked like a scene out of a horror movie. The the temperature dropped from like 80 degrees to like the high 50s within an hour. The fog was rolling in off the scoreboard. Everything looked kind of ridiculous. You should really check out some of the video of this if you get a chance. Uh, David Bodie is a beast. This I mean, is the David Bodie game. He just looked, he, I mean, he was hitting beach balls out there. I mean, it, it, and they weren't like cheap shots. Like he was hitting all of that ball and, and he was in the zone, so to speak. Like he was there and it, it was, it was fun to watch like seven freaking RBIs. That's crazy. That is crazy. Crazy. Uh, the last cub to do something like that was Wilson Contreras last year on his bobblehead day where he had a grand slam, an RBI double, and a, another home run. Like, Wilson was out of his mind that day. Um, but, yeah, seven RBIs out of nine total runs scored is ridiculous. And he was just hitting rockets. He hit a double that I think StatCast measured at, like, 104, 105 miles per hour up the line. It was just incredible. The one um, so Dave, yes. Yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, David Bodie, have yourself a day, and please have yourself a few more because that bat needs to stay hot. Um, the the other story of this game, aside from, you know, the Cubs acquiring Craig Kimbrell right in the middle of it, was the bullpen not being great again. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know what to say about this other than this is exactly why Craig Kimbrell is here, because some of the guys who have been locking down those early spots in the bullpen just have not been getting it done. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to kind of pace and remind myself Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell, because it was so, it was so painful. It was so painful. And it's like, every time we got what felt like a comfortable lead, somebody came in and made it a little bit closer. And it was like, I mean, yes, now I, I have always felt like we needed a a lockdown closer, but I kind of felt like doing it by committee for the time being would, would get us through. Yesterday was kind of when I figured out that that's not the case. Like it's not working. We need at least somebody that we can get in here. And even if it's every third day, give us that dominant 
you know, we're not wasting any other arms, shut out, done, you know, dominating three outs, see ya. You know, it just, it would feel a lot better that way. It just, it's so, it, it's needless to get so worked up about the end of games when it's like, it's just really all it comes down to is having a closer and thank the good Lord we have that now. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. That was, you know, it was a little nerve wracking and the Rockies just keep coming at you. They have a really great lineup, The that stretch where you have to pitch to Trevor Story, David Dahl, Nolan Arenado, Daniel Murphy is no joke. and they made kind of a mockery of part of the Cubs bullpen there. It was nice to see the Cubs be able to pull out a win uh, on what was truly a weird looking night at Wrigley field. Uh, This afternoon's game was just one of those games. I mean, baseball is baseball and this happens sometimes. I, I have noticed that whenever the Cubs face a like unknown rookie pitcher or something, they just struggle a lot. And I, I've never really figured it out. I don't know if it has to do with scouting. I don't know if it has to do with overconfidence. But uh, congratulations to Peter Lambert, who our friend from Purple Row, Renee Deckert, told us might show up this weekend at, or this week at Wrigley Field. And he did and had an outstanding initial outing against a really good Chicago Cubs team. I think he struck out nine Chicago Cubs today. Yeah, and only allowed one run. I mean, this offense had was clearly heating up based on the past couple of games and to have, you know, this be his major league debut and only give up four, four hits and one run. I mean, that's, that's crazy, but good for, good for him. You like to see stuff like that from a sport sports perspective. Obviously you don't like it ever to happen against your team, but you know, it's nice. It's nice to see a young kid come in and do well and, um, have a good game and his family was in the, in the stands. So that was nice for him as well. But it's like, guys, come on, we're going, you know, into a series against a team that just swept us. Do we really want to go in like this? Like we need to, we need to keep up the the bats and it, that didn't happen today. And again, I, like you said, I kind of feel like it's lack of scouting or they just don't, you know, they don't have enough to go on whatever it is. It was, it was a little hard to watch, but Hopefully that just means they were kind of resting the bats for tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> They're saving their hits for St. Louis. Yes. Um, there's only so many hits allowed in a bat. So maybe they were just saving them. Unless it's an axe bat. Axe bats get more hits. Apparently, right. right way. Um, all right. So that's a good place for us to pause for a break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we'll be talking about our next visitors at Wrigley Field, the St. Louis Cardinals. And we're back. So after not seeing the Cardinals for basically a month and a half to start the season, the Cubs are going to face the Cardinals again for the third time in its third time as many weeks, I think. Um, They're headed back to Wrigley Field. And I think Andy's headed to Chicago. I was just going to say, guess who else is coming to town? I'm so excited. Yes. We're leaving tomorrow. We'll be in town until Sunday morning. So, um, but we're only going to the game on Saturday. We're taking the train, so we won't get in until late tomorrow. But we have all day on Saturday since it's a night game. So my plan is to get to as many spots as we can. So I'm hoping to to run into some folks while we're we're in town. So yeah. So and to that end, I wanted to highlight some of the places where maybe you could run into Andy, maybe you could run into me. And we'll be sort of checking out these places uh, where some of our friends are doing fun stuff for Cubs, Cardinals, and Wrigleyville. So Nisei Lounge is having a St. Louis is still boring party on Saturday. 
Um, I saw this on their Twitter account, which is really fun. If you don't follow Nisei on Twitter, you totally should. Um, for $12, you get a beer, a shot, and a t-shirt that says St. Louis is still boring. <gasps> I am <You> so <laughs> there. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if the crowd I'm going with will agree to that. I may have to like sneak out on my own. I'm sure my husband would come, but I don't know if the rest of the folks that are with us will want to go. I don't care. I have to swing through and do that because that is amazing. Yeah, I'll make sure to meet you there. I am really excited about the St. Louis Still Boring shirt. Oh my gosh, yes. This is happening. Um, definitely happening. And also on Saturday, our friend Danny Rocket from the Sun Ranto Show will be playing with his band, the Bleacher Bum Band, at the G-Man Tavern. And I believe that show starts at 3.30 and is free. That's just north of the ballpark. So if you are going to be in the area anyway, you should totally go check out the Bleacher Bum Band. I am planning to do that as well. I've already reached out to Danny and told him that I look forward to seeing him. So that is the plan. Awesome. Um, and then on Sunday, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball and our friend Alex Rodriguez is back in Chicago. Uh, and we're going to be updating the bingo cards for that. So if you enjoyed our ESPN Sunday Night B Baseball bingo game a few weeks ago, that will be back. But we're going to add some more suggestions that people have had since then i'm in particular going to be including a square for the word hitterish which i've now heard a rod use like five times hitterish it's like i don't even he's hitterish i don't even know what that whatever wait um, so remind me what the girls at your starbucks thought his name was was it adam um i no they thought it was alan they're like his name alan, is that's alan. Right. that's right i was, <laughs> was gonna so say great. it should be it should be called the alan rodriguez uh bingo card <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you get a, your free squares if you know his name is Alex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. Thanks, uh, girls at Starbucks, for that laugh. Awesome. So keep an eye out for those as well. Those will be up sometime on Sunday before the game. Uh, the Cardinals are coming into town. They've been doing pretty well. They've won six of their last 10. For comparison purposes, the Cubs have won four of their last 10. Admittedly, a lot of that head-to-head -head is the Cardinals sweeping the Cubs in St. Louis. Ugh, we had to talk about that again, did we? I mean, I got to give credit where it's due. It's kind of interesting that no team has, neither team has managed to win a game on the road yet. Oh, yeah. Chicago kept so. them in Chicago back in May, and then St. Louis repaid that um, at the end of May, beginning of June. So hopefully now in June, we'll go back to, to being the Cubs month. So Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm looking forward to that. Although... Um, they did beat the Reds today, which apparently is doable by Central League teams, Central Division teams. Um, <laughs> Unless you're the Cubs. Uh, yeah, the Cubs are uh, not allowed to beat the Reds. <laughs> right. Yes, there are kryptonite. So they did They did beat the, the Reds in St. Louis. Their game yesterday was postponed. But um, look for Ozuna. He's getting a little hot, which kind of worries me a little bit because he's seen Hamels quite a bit. So look for him to maybe uh, – I don't want to say have a good series. He's not having a good series. We're not letting him have a good series. But that would be one to keep an eye out for as far as the Cardinals are concerned. And that's where my list ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Cardinal that I'm actually keeping an eye on, and I hate saying this because I've made so much fun of this, but um, Matt Carpenter is also heating up a little bit. He's had a really nice two-week stretch. And, you know, he's always been a kind of streaky player. He usually starts off a little bit slow. And then he'll have these streaks of unbelievable hitting. And it – Cubs fans will probably remember that he jump-started one of those last year after the All-Star break, and it really 
just took off since the, uh, at the second half of the season. So I'm keeping an eye on that to see if Carpenter is in the middle of one of his hot streaks or not. Yeah, he did hit a leadoff home run, I believe, um, against the Reds on Tuesday, I think, is the day that he did it. He did hit a leadoff home run. I know because my husband was going a little nuts about that because they're kind of wait- waiting for him to wake up in St. Louis. So um, I'm hoping it doesn't start in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They can they can wake up later. <laughs> right, I, I would right. like them to not wake up yet. Right. Um, the... A couple of Cubs who have been pretty hot over the last couple of weeks, both Anthony Rizzo and Jason Hayward have WRC plus over 120 during that time period, which is really great. Hopefully a couple of their uh, teammates can join them and really get hot for St. Louis coming into town. Yeah, one that I kind of wanted to um, just bring up because I've mentioned this a couple of times now that we have a closer. My next kind of w- wish list item, if if you will, is um, a legitimate leadoff. And so my hope was that I was going to go look at Schwarber the past few days since being home and he was just going to have these horrible numbers. But he's actually not been terrible. He went six for 17 the last four days since being home. Four strikeouts, but no walks. So not terrible, but, you know, he's just not what we consider um, a traditional leadoff. And while it's, I guess, makes sense to keep him in that spot for the time being, that's still the next thing on my wish list. Obviously, we want to get Rispy. That's all the time. But if we're talking, you know, additional things to add to the team, I would really like to see somebody that can really come into that leadoff role and maybe you know, put Schwarber back kind of where he belongs. Yeah, I have been waiting, I feel like, for two and a half years for Schwarber to, like, really embrace this leadoff spot. I I wanted it to be a thing in 2017. It clearly didn't work out the way that we wanted it to. Um, I've wanted it this time. I I also peek at those stats frequently. I'm sort of like, has it happened yet? Has it happened yet? (laughs) I I, I feel like there is a breakout coming for Schwarbs. I, I, I just... I feel it in my gut. And I like understand that that's not a particularly compelling data-driven reason to believe anything. <laughs> but not not you. Like, I can't I, believe that not coming from you. <laughs> I literally was like watching him for, I don't even know, the fifth or sixth time with a 3-2 count, worrying about whether he was going to strike out again. You know, I, he's been really looking at a lot of pitches that are called strike threes. And it just makes me cringe every time. And I was about, I was stealing myself for that to be a thing. When he hit a moonshot of a home run earlier this week that went, like, I think 467 feet. I mean, it almost cleared the bleachers in right center. And I was sort of like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. I want that more. Like, instead of these strikeouts looking, I want you to do more of that. Or or doubles. I'll take doubles. I, I'm also good for, like, singles that beat the shift. Like, just, I want Schwarber to go on a hot streak. I listen, I hear you a hundred percent and I'm all about if he's doing something, it's better than nothing. And now something is not strikeouts. Something to me is even a couple walks, you know, just something, something get, get on base. Like that is what I feel like sets the tone every single first at bat. Now, when you're going through the lineup, you know, after that original first at bat, it doesn't really feel like the leadoff. Obviously, you know, you have the end of the lineup. It's, it's by design a certain way but for that first at bat of the game set the tone for the offense get on base however you have to get on base to me that seems like a really 
small, a big thing that is taken so lightly that people don't think about. And if you remember the days of Dexter Fowler, he did that well. Like he was on base that first time a lot. And that always felt like a huge jump. And that kind of set the tone and and really got, you know, the team rallying behind him. Let's do whatever we got to do. You know, Um, that just feels good. And like Schwarber, he goes on these runs where I feel like he's very good at being selective. He lays off of pitches that he used to swing at. He gets on base, whether it's a walk, whether it's, you know, beat the shift, whatever. But I just feel like we haven't seen that much of him, of that Schwarber lately. Now, the 467 foot bombs might replace that a little bit and I'm okay with that. But at the same time, you also want to see some consistency. You know, you're seeing all or nothing and there's got to be an in-between for somebody that you really want to fit in that leadoff spot. Yeah. I see glimpses of it. Like he does take his walks. He's been walking in that spot. I mean, the thing that I really have to go back to, and I know this was one at bat and you can't just be like this one at bat makes up for everything, but that at bat where he took like 13 pitches and then hit a home run was really my favorite at bat that I've seen in like two years. It was, you know, just fouling pitches off, fouling pitches off, fouling pitches off, really just demonstrating that plus eye that he has. And then recognizing that they were going to pitch to him in that low outside court quadrant and that he needed to be able to do something with that baseball. And obviously like, I don't care what he does at that point as a single, a double, whatever, but it happened to be a home run that day and it was outstanding. I, I see it. Like I see glimpses of what the Schwarber leadoff position could look like. And it looks brilliant. I just want to see it more often. Yeah, for sure. The consistency is the key in that spot. I mean, it is in any spot, obviously in the lineup, but when you're batting leadoff, like there is a certain level of, uh, I don't even know the right word for it, but consistency is basically what comes to mind over and over again. When you're thinking about getting in that spot and making things happen, we need some sort of production. So, you know, as long as he's, he's giving us something, you know, um, I like the balls in play, but again, if you can, you know, and the walks right now, I mean, there's so many different factors that are on that because strike, we have floating strike zones, depending on who's behind the, the plate. So, you right. know, who knows, you know, he could, get a walk, you know, walk three times in one game and a different umpire strike out on the same pitches, you know? So it, it just, it, it, that part is neither here nor there, but it, to me, it, I get what you're saying and that's all fine and dandy, but if we can find somebody and, and have it not cost us, you know, the whole, the whole farm, as they say, it would be really nice to have somebody in there that, is that traditional leadoff that can steal bases that can, you know, and Schwarber is a good, good base runner. I mean, he is good at at that aspect of the game, but again, he's just not that, you know, that, that, that traditional get on base, you know, make things happen, get a huge lead, you know, tag up when, you know, there's whatever, not a normal tag up play. It just, I don't know. That part just bothers me. And I guess I'm, I'm not looking to be hard on him. I love Schwarber. I love him to death. I want to see him in a Cubs uniform for a long time, but I feel like there's some things, there's some aspects of his game that really need to come on stronger before we can think about keeping him in that role, you know, and, and him not being a trade piece. I'm sorry. Did I just say that? He is not a trade. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going there. Like I am, I am not, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry. You, I'll, I take it back. Piece. Like, I, look, the reason he can't be a trade piece, and I don't remember if I was talking about this with you or if I was talking about this with someone else, but the 
I think that Theo looks at Schwarber and sees what he saw in David Ortiz. And Theo remembers getting Ortiz from the twins after the twins let David Ortiz go. And I, I think that people forget that, like, that was a hitter that kind of struggled to pull it all together until he did in Boston. And you, one, you would never get what future David Ortiz is worth from for Schwarber right now. So the payout is just not ever going to match the expectations that this front office has for that particular player. Um, but even beyond that, I mean, if you think of some of the deals that they were trying to ship him, like to like shop him for earlier, you know, it was like Michael Fulmer for Kyle Schwarber. Does any, is anybody like, does anybody want that deal? Cause I don't like no, Fulmer's not no. even pitching, right? Like you, you absolutely are glad that the Cubs didn't make that deal. You know what I mean? And so I am, I, I'm totally content to ride it out with Schwarber right now. I think that his defense in left field has improved. He's clearly a great clubhouse guy. The numbers are fine. Like they're not the greatest numbers in the world. I'd like to see the average bump up. I'd like to see the slugging bump up a little bit, but they're fine. And I, okay. I think he'll figure it out. Let me ask you this. Last year when at the end of the season, when they were doing their exit interviews and Theo kind of came out and said that, you know, it's time now that we start holding people accountable and, you know, if the production's not there, the production's not there. Didn't you kind of feel like he was talking to Schwarber? Like no. one of the guys, you didn't think so? I didn't. I actually, I don't know who I thought he was talking to, but I didn't think it was Schwarber. I I have really gotten the impression. I, I, I could be wrong. Like, you know, I, I think that they've said very clearly that anybody's tradable for the right return. Um, but the, I, I just have really got, gotten the impression that they don't match up well with the rest of the league in terms of what Schwarber is worth. And so oh, I just 100%, don't see that, I yeah. don't see that deal is ever really happening, you know? A hundred percent. But I think I, I felt like at the end of the season, when they did all that, when he came out and said that there was quite a, not quite a few, but obviously our offense went very stagnant at the end of the season. So there was a few guys that they felt like were really going to be able to come through in spots when they needed them. And I think Schwarber was one that they were looking to as not only a leader, but somebody that could break out and, and maybe help get the offense going. So I, I kind of felt like that was somebody that they were speaking to. I feel like, and you know, I, I have jokingly said the trading piece because I feel like Schwarber is Theo's golden child. I feel like he's kind of untouchable. He might say that he isn't untouchable, but I kind of feel like he is. I feel like, and like you said, that he's, they're never going to truly get what they feel like they should get for him. So I feel like he's a little untouchable, maybe even for that reason alone, but you know, and again, you know, we've seen, we've seen positive. He's definitely improving on, you know, what he's swinging at. We've seen quite an improvement there because, you know, the Schwarber of old, even 2016 Schwarber, when he came in to play at the end of the season was swinging at some really ridiculous things when he wasn't hitting the ball. So it's nice to see that improvement. Um, and yeah, I mean, as long as he can produce some at the, at the top of the lineup, I guess I won't be too insistent on that traditional leadoff hitter, but it would also be a nice piece to, to add into this lineup. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like if the, the person that I hear people talk about for this, like leadoff fast steel base type role that the Cubs might be able to match up with is Whip Merrifield. And I'm like, yeah. Do we really need like another second baseman? I'm <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Sure no kidding. The Cubs need another second baseman. They just don't have a second baseman that fits that leadoff mold right now. I mean, 
if the Royals want to trade with Merrifield for like Addison Russell plus, I'm I'm okay with that. I I, I was I just gonna say that. <laughs> I was just gonna say Addison Russell, and he's deal done. Where do I sign? Like done. Right. Um, but Kyle Schwarber, I just I just don't see. I don't know. I, I and granted, I, I admit I'm biased here. Like I. Poppy is one of my favorite players of all time. I, I've heard heard enough of the comps that I be- I believe it, and I just can't. It will break my heart if Kyle Schwarber turns into David Ortiz and the Cubs traded him. It will absolutely wreck me ten years well, from now. I realized that very quickly after I said it that I I know how you feel about Schwarber, and I said it, and I was like, oh gosh, I may have just bruised her soul a little bit so you can buy me a beer and you say it'll be okay I will you know what I'll buy you a beer a shot and a t-shirt how about that that sounds like a plan um (laughs) so we're running a little bit low on time here but I do you know want to recognize that there will be pitchers in this Cubs Cardinal series these are all the same names that we've seen multiple times over the last three weeks so I don't think we need to spend a ton, ton of time here but just so people are aware Friday afternoon's game will be Nicholas versus Hamill's Saturday's game will be Flaherty versus Lester and Sunday we will see Adam Wainwright again versus Kyle Hendricks and we'll see which pitcher gets the better end of the pitcher's duel there. I you know who I got my money on. Oh, Kyle. Kyle I'm, Kyle, go- Kyle. I'm going I'm going 87 pitches. <laughs> 87 pitch Kyle Hendricks Maddox. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Um so we will be back on Monday with everything that we saw in this series and tales from Wrigleyville. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Cup of Cubby Blue and see what we're doing this weekend as the Cardinals come to play the Cubs. And Andy comes to visit me, which I'm really excited about. And, <laughs> and yeah, we'll be keeping an eye out for the arrival of Craig Kimbrell in the coming weeks. And the Cubs finally have a closer. Woo-hoo. Have a good <laughs> Have a good one, and we will talk to you again on Monday. Bye.